Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the EzraBrods.com Movies and Television Podcast, the shortest podcast on the internet. <laughs> There's probably some guy out there who does like a five-minute podcast where he just talks about lamps. Yeah. I'm dead. Got caveman with me? I... <laughs> I'm here talking about movies and TV and bullshit. I have not watched a lot of movies and TV lately. At all. It's mainly been two things. And one of them was a pilot episode. No, I'm sorry, not a pilot, a premiere episode. Because the second season of Channel Zero launched. I don't know what that is. Channel Zero, for Caveman and those who, those at home who don't know, is a t- is a horror anthology series on sci-fi where every season is based off of a different creepypasta. Ah, I remember being told about this once. Yeah, so the first season was based off of Candle Cove. And it was really good. Like, some genuinely great horror. There weren't, there weren't like, a whole lot of jump scares in it, if any. It didn't rely on fucking, like, weird torture porn shit. It was just tension and undies. Which was very surprising and very welcome. Like, I can't tell you, after... However many years of having TV horror just be jump scares, whatever gore network cable could get away with, and American Horror Story. It was really great seeing like an actual For Realsies straight up horror series. A horror series that worked. Like with, with Creepypasta, uh, especially like turning it into a six episode TV series. You gotta take liberties. You gotta like expand out the fucking world because creep, creepypastas are very short, or the very least not conducive to long form storytelling. With rare, with with rare exception, like I read a I read one creepypasta that was this weird like sprawling fucking Reddit dive that took like nineteen fucking posts to finish. All told from, like, different character perspectives at different points in time. I mean, like, it was really impressive, but still. That's the thing about creepypastas. Some, the ones that are good are really good. Because they put a lot of effort into them. Yeah. The first choice, that was a bit weird for it. So, Candle Cove. Uh, the creepypasta, how it works out, is it set up like a forum discussion. Like, it's a bunch of people on a forum talking about this one local area... Like uh, I don't know what the local area is, but like this local TV station that would play a TV show called Candle Cove. It was like a little show where like a dude, like a little puppet dude, would get in a little puppet boat and go out and go on adventures and shit. And there was some dude there who ate people's skin. I'm waiting for the weird part. And yeah, so it was a bunch of these. Yeah, so it was a bunch of these people, like grown ups, talking about the show, and each of them discussing the show and like how fucking weird it was as opposed to everything else they watched as kids and then you get to the end and one guy like talked to his mom about it and it turns out that the show never actually existed in the first place 
Yeah, and every aspect of the creepypasta was covered in the first episode of the series. Uh-huh. So then from there, they had to expand out. So in the so in the show, in this town where kids started watching Candle Cove, a bunch of kids got murdered. Including the main character's twin brother. So then shortly after that, he left the show. I mean, he left the town. Got as far away as he could, as soon as he could. But then eventually came back after having a mental breakdown and carving something into his arm with a, with a razor blade. As you do. He came back and then Candle Cove showed up again. And it started doing weird things to the kids in town and led to this whole big thing where the people in town think that he is the murderer. The one who killed all those kids back before when he was a kid. Spoilers, it turns out it was his brother using psychic powers given to him by the television show. And there's also a weird, like, tooth goblin. Like this weird child made of teeth. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, it got weird. But it was still, like, a really good fucking series. It it did a lot with that, not with not very much. It was very sparse in terms of what it actually had to work with. It was a lot of, like, just costumes and very normal sets, like, just houses and shit. But they made that shit fucking work through, like, really good use of music and tone and just camera work and atmosphere. And so I was genuinely excited when they announced that they'd be, there would be a second season of this. And I watched that first episode, and it's really good. This show is still really good. So the second se- so the second season of Channel Zero is based off of the No End House. The creepypasta is that there's a house. It is a haunted house kind of thing. You go in, there are nine rooms. Each room gets progressively scarier. And then once you then once you get through all nine rooms, then you're done. You can leave at any time. But yeah. Oh nine nine nine? No. It's not 999. No, I was referencing a game to show people that I actually do play other things than just RPGs. Yeah, I know. I know what you're referencing. You're referencing the Zero Escape games. I think. That was that one of the Zero Escape games? 999? I think so. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, like I. Only one of those that I've played, so. But yeah, it's not 999. It's not the Zero Escape. It is. It is, you go into a room, something freaky happens, you go through a door, you end up in the next room where something freaky happens, and then so on and so on until you leave the house. And in the, and in the creepypasta, like I said, it's nine rooms, and you go in there alone. And so every time you go in, and every time you go into the room, something weirder happens. Like, you go into a room, and you just see a chair with a light bulb behind it, and you look at the shadow, and there's something sitting in the chair, and there's nothing in the chair. Or you go into a room and it's a forest with something running after you. Or you go into a room and it's pitch black and there's something breathing on the back of your neck. It just keeps going and going, gets worse and worse, gets weirder and weirder. And then the person, the, the writer of the story, eventually makes it out of the house. He Everything's great. So then he goes home and on his, on his front door is carved in the number 10. Because he never actually left the house. Ooh. Because it doesn't end ever. Ooh. Yeah, so with this, uh, it is set up a bit differently. Uh, in this, our main character is living at home with her mom after her dad died. 
Uh, she was at university, but she eventually just she dropped out to take care of her mom after her dad died. She was very close to her dad. Uh, she and her best friend, uh, her best friend ended up taking her out to like just kind of like a the town. Like, hey, let's go fucking drink and stuff, and we'll hang out. You'll feel better about things. We'll hook you up with somebody. It'll be great. And it kind of is for a while until they start getting messages about the No End House, which is in this world set up as a really bougie haunted house art project. Ew. And I kind of love that. Want to watch this? <laughs> I want to watch this, but ew. No, it's it's kind of actually fucking great. It is so fucking stupid, but it works in this context. And so, yeah, they get <laughs> yeah they get you know the address where it is, and they head down there. And the No End House is this is this fucking like Adams Family monsters looking motherfucker. There's this big gothic house that is painted completely black, top to bottom. And and like in and like on the front of it, there is a there's like a little plaque, like an art plaque. that says the No End House, artist unknown, materials like wood, paint, caulk, and you. It makes me think of trivia murder party. Yeah, and so everybody goes in with groups of eight, basically. In this in this time going in, there is you know our main four people. Three randos and one guy who looked way too prepared to go into this house. Head inside and it's it's cool. It is really cool the way they did this. Uh, like the first room is the head, head inside and it is a this weird old timey like song playing on like a record player, like a song like in the same vein of like that tip tiptoe to, through the tulips kind of song, like not that overused or bullshit but in this in a similar vein if you get my meaning get your mean yeah so inside are eight pedestals and on them are eight near perfect replications of all of the party members faces like printed out in like plaster okay see that actually reminds me of something when we get to my turn remind me uh, D&D and TMNT, okay? Okay. And yeah, so as... Yeah, so they're hanging out in there. Then all of a sudden, lights go off. They come back on. The music gets all fucked up, and all of their busts are burst the fuck open from the inside with hands ripping them apart with red lights inside except for one person's. Hey! Yeah, next room is some kind of, like... Is like the inside of like a ship or something, like a ship's hull. Light goes on, comes light goes off, comes back on, and there is a new person there. It is a dude in like a suit or like a sports kind of jacket thing with a with like a turtleneck sweater on and black gloves and this big wooden mask that covers the entirety of his face and goes down to about midway through midway down his chest. Doesn't talk to anybody at the at the beginning. Just kind of walks around staring at everybody, getting all up in their shit. The noise over to our main character and says something to her. Then lights goes back off, comes back on, and he's gone, as well as one other member of their party, and a huge trail of blood leading from one side of the room to the other. And I don't want to just go through every fucking room in this house, in this fucking thing, because I want people to watch this. I want people to like see it and experience it for themselves. But this is really fucking cool. They always find 
the guys making the show, they they find stuff that I don't think would be able to work for for like TV shows or like longer form storytelling, and always manage to find a way to expand on the world in a really interesting way. Like with Candle Cove, having it be having it be like you know, Candle Cove was a thing when they were kids, but it also tied to these murders, and then that fucking circles back around to when this guy comes back to the town and shit in this where. You'd think, oh, yeah, they just fucking go to the house and then blah, whatever. But then with this, they're able to they're able to build on it in a way that makes it that makes it look like it has legs to fucking go for all six episodes. Okay, you know what? I just have one thing to say. Writers, take notes. This is how you should take a pre-existing concept. You should use it as a basis and then build a new idea off it. Not just say, hey, let's do the same thing again. Yeah. Let's do the same thing again, and it'll make money. Oh, yeah, Wait, the- we should make it stupider so that people like it more. Oh, yeah. The dudes at fucking Channel Zero are blowing other motherfuckers out of the water in terms of writing. Shows I have to talk about are doing just that. I don't know if one of them's still doing it, but like so far, two of them are doing just that. They're taking the existing concept and expanding on the idea, and I love it. Yeah, totally. And I really can't wait to see where this fucking show goes. They, there was some stuff at the end of this episode that, like I said, there's legs. Oh, and also, I also really have to call out the cold open of this show. I really enjoyed how the show opened. Like both, uh, both, uh, both Channel Zero seasons have actually had some pretty good like opening scenes of their shows. Like with Candle Cove, it was like the main character Candle Cove was a. I believe a child psychologist. Okay. And it started out with him being interviewed on a TV show. And, and like, he was like being interviewed, talked about this, this, and this talking about, you know, his history, you know, dealing with the fuck, dealing with the fact that his fucking brother was murdered. And, there's, and then there's a, and then there's a phone in somebody calls in and they start, they start talking to him and like really shitting on him, like being a fucking dick to him as he just starts getting more and more frustrated he looks around and every single person on the crew is replaced with a mannequin, including the host. And the, and it's all being shot in this like this pitch black fucking void, where where pretty much the only thing you can see up to is the f- is the fact that the cameraman is a mannequin, and then nothing. And as he's going like back and forth, back and forth between all these different fucking things, as just the tension builds and builds and builds. Then you get into this, and it is just it's, the cold open is just a lot of like just direct f- full on shots of houses. Let's so you get to one house, and you just hear a person just panting heavily as somebody comes out from behind the house and begins making their way up the street towards the, the no end house, which is it's said it like it said it like the very very end of a street. Like you know how occasionally there will be streets where there's houses on the side of it, like a regular street, and then just at the end of the street just stops. There's just a house right there. Dude, I live in a big city. I see that all the freaking time. Yeah, so it's one of those. Except- hey, the bridge is coming off here. We can't have the road cut through. Nope. Yeah, so it's so it's just so it's just like that. Except the house is just this giant black monolith of a building. There are streets in this city. Uh, this is just something that pisses me off. There are streets in this city, major fucking roads that just dead end because somebody wanted to put a fence there. <laughs> reason than that i'm just i just look at the fence and i'm like now i'm lost 
But yeah, like this girl just begins walking up the street towards this house. And it is just a fucking cool ass visual of just all these houses funneling down to this fucking nightmare hellscape house. And so she just begins walking up to the house. Uh, she is look. She looks real fucked up. And she begins walking up. You can see in the background like a dude walks out into the middle of the street, just kind of like behind her, and doesn't come out from their side. She looks over and sees a dude walking her dog, but he looks he's walking weird. Like, something just feels off about her. Looks behind her, sees the guy behind her coming up on her. She begins running. That dude starts, starts running, just fucking, like, tackles her from behind. Pulls out a lighter and begins to burn off a fucking thing she carved into her arm. Oh, that's really good. It is. It really works to set up, like, the... To set up how this show will progress. Stuff going forward. Just the tension of it. The way that it handles horror. Ah. <sighs> Ever since I watched It Follows, I've been, I've been paying a lot more attention to things in the background of horror of horror series and TV and movies and stuff. It's been a while since a movie actually changed the way I watch other movies and TV shows. If you haven't seen It Follows, watch It Follows. It's really good. Uh, another thing I watched. I ever watched Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's the one with Austin Powers, right? Yeah. Austin Powers and the fucking Master of Disguise. Because Dana Carvey is in that. enough for the Turtle Club? <laughs> fucking goddamn it. It's only funny when you're making fun of it. Yeah, that's how bad that movie is. You have to be tearing in a new one for it to be funny. Yeah, that fucking goddamn fucking garbage movie. Anyway, yeah, Wayne's World still holds up. Surprise me. Uh, it's it's still like got real solid comedy in it. Uh, storyline wise, it is storyline wise is the weakest part of it. Like, every story beat that it feels it needs to hit in order to be a movie just feels incredibly rote and forced. Like, Wayne Wayne deciding to leave the show in the middle of the show and then just fucking doing whatever. That comes out of nowhere. No real build-up to it. It's just, just, oh, oh, somebody did a thing I didn't like. Well, I'm going to leave the show and take it with me. And then, oh, fuck you, you, dude. It's ours now. It just all feels very forced but you know comedy kind of the comedy kind of works in spite of it one thing that i realized i uh one this is one problem i have actually found i now have with reviewers because i took a look at some old stuff and i was like man this is really cliched and then i thought about it for a half second i was like wait this made the cliche i actually should give it credit for that a frack, what was it? Well, it's a matter of it's a matter of perspective, like 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 for example, I don't really like Lord of the Rings because I find the fantasy tropes really fucking cliche and boring. But Lord of the Rings made those cliches. The books did. The movie doesn't the movie can't get away with it because the books did it. <laughs> you should try something new, writers, as we talked about earlier with Channel Zero. Yeah, but when you I do that, you get, them. Yeah, when you do that, you get the Hobbit trilogy. 
anything new. They just like super glued a bunch of the old stuff that they had left out together. Toriel. I don't remember. I didn't watch all those movies. Toriel was a new character made Toriel for is. the movies, played by Evangeline Lilly. Oh yeah, that chick. Yeah, who was introduced and forced into a bullshit love triangle. Even though I think Evangeline Lilly might have... Let me look this up to double check before I actually say anything wrong. I... Yeah, I guess a final thing about Wayne's World, because I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's fucking Wayne's World, dude. At this point, it is so fucking... It is such a fucking it's, like pop culture touchstone that I can't add anything new to it. It's no Bill and Ted's, but it's still <laughs> very good. Yeah. Oh, but I actually didn't know this. Oh, we directed by a woman. Oh. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, Penelope Spheris. Spheris. So, yeah, hey. Fucking... I don't know what my point was with that. Moving on. Caveman. Well, let's talk about the first thing that I should talk about before I forget it. Uh, I've been watching the 2012 TMNT series. (laughs) Um, I'm at season three now. And is that the? I really don't like. I really don't like the first quarter of. Yeah, it's the CG one. Okay. Uh, I really don't like the first quarter of season three, but other than that, I have loved, loved, loved every minute of this show because it hits on all the important points. What I feel like are the important points from the original TMNT series. You know, the relationship between the brothers, the relationship to Master Splinter. A lot of the characters from the original series are brought back in new and interesting ways. Yeah. But they stumble on a few points. Okay. First thing that comes to mind is Casey Jones. Oh, fuck yeah. He's the worst. Is the worst character in this show. Absolute fucking worst character in this show. His design is ugly. His character is... And his personality is very grating at times. At times? At times. Because at other times, it's like, Yeah, dude, bro, dude! Yeah, let's go smash some aliens! And I get into it. Oh, dear lord. Will you two, Will you and Donnie stop fighting over the girl? Please! Never! never. Donnie, you have no fucking chance! You are a green turtle! She is a human! You racist. Can't even get your dick out of your pants! You don't wear pants! Just stop it, Donnie! Turtles can fuck. It'll just be a a bit of like Donnie Lane and Topper just going... Uh. Uh. I've seen YouTube. hate you, Dead (laughs) Man. But no, like of one of the ninja turtles just fucking somebody going. Eh. <laughs> and I hate you. Um, but have, it sets up it sets up a lot of character beats really fucking well. Uh, and like these are character beats that I was just like, oh look, he's got a quirk in the first season. Like uh, Raph has a pet turtle, yeah, which he does. I thought was I thought was funny at first, and then I was like, okay, it's just it's just a quirk. And then they bring it back, and it's fucking awesome. But it also actually does add a lot to his character. Like, him, the fact that he has a pet and that he's taking care of it so well. 
animal whisperer. Yeah, like fucking him and Slash. At one point, he just pulls a, a, a pigeon out of his pocket, which I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Ninjas. Who's at it? And then the pigeons are fucking stealth technology for them. Yeah, dude. <laughs> just like, the fuck? It is, it is insane that Raph, like, it is really cool that Raph, the fucking, like, the fucking, like, rage boner murder machine is also just fucking Dr. Doolittle. It actually kind of works with the character because he is a reckless, wild animal. <laughs> like, if for, for a lot of people's perspective, that's what Raph is. So by expanding his character in that direction, they've given him, like, the one time he's calm is when he's with his animal friends. And, oh, I love it. It's so good. Have you met, <laughs> have, have, has Chompy Picasso shown up? Oh, I have not heard of that character. I might have skipped that episode because I skipped a few episodes in season three. Uh, it is the episode with Toka. No, I've not seen that episode. Oh, this episode um, four. Sorry. Season four, you mean? Yeah, season four. Sorry. I'm not in season four yet. Okay. I did see Bebop and Rocksteady's birth, <laughs> and I was just like, really? <laughs> I can't, I, I can't. Rocksteady, yeah, no, perfect, fits perfectly, yeah. matches the original character. Bebop! Bebop, we beat the turtles. Call me Bebop. Like, really? <laughs> then, no. a, then Bebop's a fucking laser break dancing ninja. Tech. <laughs> he, just, he has the fucking he has a fucking like Chi Chi Mohawk blade, but it's made of lasers. It, it it's interesting, but. I, I didn't like it. the only note I have on this show is that they did the Martha moment from Batman. <laughs> only they actually did it right. Um, and it's a moment between Karai and April and they're they, like they're fighting. And there's a moment's hesitation where it's like, you lost your mom, too. And April uses that distraction to kick some ass. So they just be like, Martha. And where's your you know, that name? God, like they actually used that moment effectively, and I was very happy to see something like that in this. Not because it was Batman v Superman, but because it was it, it was humanizing for one of the most irritating villains at the time, which was great. It was just great. Yeah, cry um, is weird. I and I feel so bad for her. Um, absolutely terrible for Donnie. Because every like al- almost everything he tries fails. How many success stories does Donatello actually have? Eh, the couple it's, he made the retribution. He made the shell razor, which got blown up. He made um, metalhead, which which got blown up. He made the fuck. <laughs> hey, the, there are other things. Made the giant turtle monster that got blown up and also just in fairness the vehicles they were never blown up because he did something wrong they're blown up because but people shot explosives at them it's like every time he does something great it gets stomped on well yeah he's... he makes an experimental retromutagen for uh kai or karai and all but one canister gets wasted and it doesn't work donnie you need a hug, bro? Because, <laughs> like, you can tell that he, like, 
in my gut, I feel like he's holding back the emotions for like, I've got to comfort my brother who was super hopeful that this would work, but all of my work failed. It's like, oh, everything I've done is a horrible disaster. But yeah, buddy, now you can't fuck your sister, kind of. Now you can't fuck your adoptive sister. I feel for Donnie. I really do. Yeah. Because he's trying. And I also feel for Mikey. Because I'm just waiting for the episode where Mikey is sad. (laughs) Uh, Because you can't just be happy. Either we're going to get an episode where Mikey is like, dude, do you know how much crap I put up with just so my brothers will smile at my antics? (laughs) I know I'm the idiot. Yeah. It's why I like Dimension X, because I'm smart there. Yeah, that'd be a weird episode where everything just kind of drops for a second. Mikey just takes off his mask and just reveals that he's actually the most he's actually the most competent member of the fucking team, but he just needs to be the dumbass to give everybody else something to laugh at. For that, because I feel like that's there, but unless I get confirmation from the show, that's just me projecting things onto the character. That's your headcanon. Oh man, I've got so much headcanon for so many different things. <laughs> um Like I've said before, they do a lot of great things with Raphael, and he's usually the character that while he gets a lot of screen time, he is ignored the most because his screen time is, I'm going to go punch the bad guys by myself. Yeah, because I decided not to punch the bad guy by myself. Yeah, because outside of like one or two other character things that we've already talked about, (laughs) Raph's kind of one note. Just, I'm a fight and fuck you, Leo. Except he's not. When he's needed to, Ralph, uh, uh, not Ralph, Raphael will step back. And he's like, he's shown that. He's actually said outright, without you, who am I going to make fun of? Like when, like when Leo is down and out, he is sitting there guarding him because it's the only thing he can think to do to help the situation. Oh, yeah, I know. Like I'm not, I'm not saying against it, but like outside of, again, outside of those moments. Like, Raph has a lot of great character really stuff. It's just when he doesn't have those moments. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we got to talk about Leonardo. This is my favorite interpretation of Leonardo. Because he's constantly questioning if he's doing the right thing. Yeah. Leonardo's like, I am the leader. You will fall. And they just do. It's like, should we do that? I mean, that sounds like a bad idea, Leo. I'm the leader. You should listen to me because I watch sci-fi fantasy movies. Uh, me, I watch Star Trek. It's like, oh, maybe that was a bad idea. What do you guys think we should do? <laughs> it's like he actually listens to his team. Yeah. I love this Leo. Oh. And I kind of – did it happen in season three when they did like the most cliched voice co- voice actor change? Don't make me talk about that. Because <laughs> it was like, yeah, his larynx is busted. Oh, they fired the voice actor, didn't they? I don't think they fired. I think Jason. I think Jason Biggs just kind of left the project. They had someone like that they could have called on though, who actually sounded a little like Leo. Like they swatched voice actors in one episode because like, what's his face was sick. I was googling it because I was like, "Are they really going to stick with this voice? Because this does not sound like Leo." <laughs> and it took me like halfway through the season to finally be like, "All right, you sound close enough. I'll get over myself." <laughs> <sighs> I 
then we've got to talk about all the side characters. Splinter, April, Casey, Irma. <laughs> you can't tell I don't like Casey. Yeah, fuck Casey. And it's not even because I was like, Donnie should get the girl. Donnie should not get the fucking girl. No, Donnie, Donnie is... needs to get over himself. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie's, Donnie needs to get himself a mutant or an alien like Raph. It's also kind of the fucking most ridiculous thing. Like the one with the most healthy relationship is Raph and Mona Lisa. Didn't introduce that character. Uh, you'll you'll see. Yeah, season four. Season four. Some shit happens. I'm almost finished season three. So season four. Here I come. Season four. Peter Skarsgård plays a fucking giant bug god. Chick is yeah. weird, dude. Chick is weird. Y'all motherfuckers been to space? <sighs> anyway. Uh, but I love the fact that they made April a character in this. Because usually she's just the, I'm the dependent that needs to be rescued. Instead, she's like, I'm protecting my father, learning how to be a ninja, keeping up with school, trying to make normal friends, all while being trapped underground in a sewer with a bunch of turtles. The damsel in distress stuff is usually only in the 80s TV show. Oh, you haven't seen some of the more recent TV shows then. No, like I remember. She tries to be helpful, but she just is in the way most of the time. I remember, I remember like, like I remember really like going back reading the comics, uh, watching the TV show, like the 2007 show, reading the new comics. April is like an active support member. Maybe in the comics she was, but in the TV shows, I am pretty sure she was mostly useless. No, even in the 2007 TV show, she was part, like, she had the same origin story as she did in the comics, where she was a fucking assistant to Baxter Stockman and was, like, near Donnie-level intelligence. Okay, cool. Like, that's the thing, the reporter stuff only came in in the 80s TV show. There's also an episode where they see their alternate universe selves, and it's the 80s TV show, and they're like, man, we're ugly. And I was just like, ha! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because remember, the turtle versus the thing. Uh, yeah, it is. The turtle multiverse. <laughs> oh, God, I keep... Oh, I... I just kind of love that. I just kind of love this this really dumb idea that every iteration of the turtles exists and is as canon as every other iteration of the turtles because they're all taking place in a separate universe. Similar points in time. Yeah, it's it is so dumb, but I fucking love it. Cuz it's the goddamn Ninja Turtles. A book that started off as a joke and then turned into a marketing empire. Yeah, I've already made my opinions on Casey clear. I love this Splinter. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. His advice is actually advice, which quite often doesn't happen with sage characters in uh, TV shows. Uh, he's fucking badass, and the only reason he doesn't fight is because I think he's kind of like, I don't need to anymore. Yes, maybe he's still a little ashamed of his appearance. 
because one of the few times we see him go to the surface, he's like super hoodied and doesn't remove the hood until he's inside about to face his deadliest foe, the Shredder. There are various aspects of that character that kind of work to that thing. And it's it's one of it's a pet peeve of mine. Like it isn't actually a knock against the show. I just I I'm not particularly a fan of turtle stuff when they make Splinter Hamato Yoshi. I don't know what it is, but I just like the idea of Splinter being a separate entity from Yoshi. I'm okay with it. I ain't got no problems with it. Like, like I said, um, it's, it's, not, it's not like it's not like I'm gonna fucking like mark down the show or anything for this. It's just a small pet peeve of mine. It's like, mm. also, the show has there's if there's one problem I do have the, with the show, it's that they make their characters look a little too gross at times. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Baxter Stockman just looks disgusting, and I actively had to look away from the screen the episode that uh, Mikey covered himself in mutagen that made him turn into a zit. Ugh. This episode, and I was just like, no thank you. What do you think of Ice Cream Kitty? I love Ice Cream Kitty. I want an Ice Cream Kitty, but sadly all I've got is a Marshmallow Kitty. <laughs> I would like an ice cream kitty, but I'm pretty sure I'd eat it. <laughs> well, it seems to just be able to generate more ice cream. Can it, though? Mickey eats parts of it all the time. Huh. He's licking it constantly. And it's just like, you no, don't. It's like, don't lick your cats. That cat could have mange or something. Mikey invented the retro mutagen. <laughs> oh, Donnie doesn't even have that. Oh, oh, Donnie, buddy, booby. Yeah, he's got machines that constantly get bro- broken down or destroyed. Yeah, but again, like the the, the destroyed thing is not on him. Yeah, no, I know he made the things and they worked like. Like, you know, purpose fulfilled. It's just then somebody fired a missile at it. Then me. Is Irma, like, was Irma always the robot? Or, like, was there an actual Irma that got replaced? Uh, I... I do not particularly remember Irma. April's friend that turned out to be Krang subprime. Right, yes, her. I... Uh, ah, maybe. If it was always a robot, that is very, very cunning of them. But, like, the early episodes would suggest to me that there was a real Irma that got replaced because she didn't start asking to meet the secret friends after the rat dungeon. Irma is a gynoid body that was created by the Utram High Council member, Rook. So it looks like she's always been a robot. Alright. That's a shame. Um, yeah, there was never a, there was never an Irma. Irma was never real. But, well, now that we've talked about the heroes, we should give at least a touch to the villains. I could take or leave this version of Splinter. Mean Shredder? not Splinter Shredder. Version of Shredder. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Shredder in this is he doesn't exactly have a lot of personality. He's just kind of girl. I'm a bad man. Yeah. I mean, he does some awesome things, but eh, not really that impressive. Yeah. Um, Tiger Claw's pretty. What's right. more impressive is Dog Pound turned Razor. 
Razar. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like um, Dog Pound was kind of silly and goofy looking, and then Razar was Razzle's like, oh a, my god, Razar's a horror movie. He's a fucking dog soldier. Expose yourself to more mutagen and get more powerful. Sign me up. <laughs> Let me just pick up something that would be cool to change into and then throw it away right before I jump into the tank. You just got you just got to be all right with having half of your flesh. And somehow still being able to talk properly. It'd be romance cuz I'm trying to get married. <laughs> Turn into half a shark. Baby, baby, I did it for us. Yeah. <laughs> then you super mutagen yourself and you just lose like half your body mass. <laughs> you're just you're just a fucking like uh. spine leading up to a shark head. <laughs> you basically be fish face. <sighs> I wanted to be one of the street sharks. Which <laughs> had an orca on the team for some reason. Hey man, killer whales are fucking deadly. I mean, not technically a shark, but still. They're called killer whales for a reason. Anyway, um, there's also Zever, who I'm pretty sure wasn't a character in the original, so... Is that Fish Face? I can't really... Villain in the original series, or... Uh... I don't remember anything, any character like him. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like there is. I'm pretty sure Razor is a reference to the movies. Oh no, yeah, it's Tokyo. Yeah, he's he's Ra- he's Razor from Token Razor. Yeah, and it's R, not Or. Just clarification. Um, like the Krang. The Krang are really fun. Like, especially the way they talk, and then when Krang Subprime shows up and just goes the fuck off on them. For like, we've been here for a thousand years, people! Learn how to talk! <laughs> yes. yes! And it's kind of perfect he's voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. The moment I heard his voice, I was just like, oh, fuck Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Oh. And then that voice coming out of a fucking teenage girl head. <laughs> I think my favorite part about the series is they lose. Yeah. Turtles is. lose at the end of season two. Yeah. They lose hard. But they bring it back. It's like. I would have actually been okay if this series had ended at the end of season two. Wouldn't have been happy, but I like it when a show is willing to make our heroes lose. Wow. Oh, like this show, our heroes lost. There are no two ways about it. They fought their hardest. They did their best. And then they were forced to flee for their fucking lives. Yeah, yeah, they were. My friends, if I was playing a D&D game and that happened to me <laughs> with one of our party fucking incapacitated for months. Lost that fight. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta figure out how to win next time. And half the party would be like, what do you mean next time? We're moving to a different continent. <laughs> okay then, so excuse me while I'm going to take some notes. 
<laughs> oh. But um, Baxter Stockman is weirdly effective throughout the series, and I really like that. Up until they turn him into the fly Baxter Stockman, which is just it's like it's 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 like he has poo on his head all the time. Yeah, it's like you like it's weird. Please turn him back into a human, just so I can stop looking at it. And then they turn him back into a human. I'm like, oh god, why? What? It's worse. It's worse. <laughs> um, Bob and Rocksteady. I feel like I need to get to know them better before I can give a formal opinion on them. I like Rocksteady. I hate Bebop. <laughs> My first opinion is I really, really hate Bebop. Um. Like, seriously, violently hate Bebop. I get it. Whoever designed the character and shake him until he rewrites him. Just take away all of his lines. <laughs> what other villains do I want to talk about? Ooh, there's a villain from an episode. Um, He's a Sparrow Boy. Pigeon Pete? What? Not Pigeon Pete. There's a sparrow boy who has hallucinogenic gas. He's just this lonely kid who wants to play D&D equivalent 673 with the turtles. Oh, right. That guy. And I'm just sitting there as a D&D player like, oh, Aff doesn't really want to play, but he's getting into it. He's that guy who thought it was a nerdy thing when he first joined, but did it because he had to, and now he's getting into it. Yeah. Oh. And then the ending, like, you just have to not believe, Raph! And I was like, oh, well, Raph wins. (laughs) Be one of my favorite pointless episodes of the series. (laughs) Because point to it it doesn't do it doesn't it doesn't result in anything ultimately like they don't get a new ally for their fight against the forces of evil or anything no it's just an episode about D and how fun it is oh, oh, <laughs> and how it's better with a party that actually, like, yeah. actually reminded me of something so so every couple so uh the turtles they go through a couple costume changes in the show uh they have some alternate costumes and stuff uh some stuff for season three stuff for season four it never sticks. It never lasts for more than like an episode, even if they use it in the fucking title. Like after I noticed s- that like after season two, but I always season... thought it was like specialized gear. Like this situation requires equipment like this. Yeah, like after season two, uh, going into season three, uh, they got this new kind of. I don't. I don't know what they called it, but it was something like spirit weapons or something. Essentially, just like new weapons and stuff. That incorporated more uh, spiritual ninja aspects to it. Like yeah, um, it incorporated m- deeper into their nature as ninjas versus just their ninja weapon. Yeah, like Donnie, he had on this like weird like rock mask that kind of looked like a skull or something, and then put an axe blade in his fucking bow staff. Uh, Leo started using a bow and arrow with a hood. Uh, Raph had this weird like cloth thing covering his face and like Wolverine claws that shot fire. 
forgot how they did that, but it was cool, so I accepted it. Was, it was essentially spirit training. Just like, just like Splinter was like, hey, go out into the woods, have like a fucking spirit quest, design your own shit, and then go out there and fight your inner demons, and then that will make you better warriors. Yeah. Was, uh, that was a good episode, and like I, it really actually tried to expand upon the characters. The only problem is have to do the thing that they were told to do except for Raphael <laughs> Raphael was the only one who had to actually hone his anger into a weapon to allow him to focus fully on what was at hand do you get it it's because his claws shoot fire Donatello didn't have to get the strength of a mountain he had to apparently relearn that you can beat a stronger opponent by using their momentum against them well, I guess that makes a to focus to defeat his enemy. He just had to defeat his enemy. Well, like the the Donnie thing makes a bit of sense because in various iterations of the thing, like the, it's always implied that, like Donnie is the worst fighter because he keeps forgetting the fucking basics and shit because he spends all his time trying to build gadgets and what have you. I guess that's true, but Mikey did not have to learn how to focus his mind. Oh fuck no! Like he just had to beat an enemy that they had beaten before multiple times. Well, yeah, like it's again, it's. Throughout the show, it's been said that, like, hey, the reason Mike is a good fighter is because his mind is fucked. And Leo didn't get over his fucking psychosomatic pain. A magic deer showed up and was like, look at you. I'm thinking, okay, you've realized it. Now I shall grant you the power to defeat your enemies. No, didn't do shit. <laughs> now they yift. I was talking about villains. Um, any other villains that I want to touch on? There's Pizza Face. <laughs> it was a weird episode. Because I'm not sure if it actually happened or not. God, every, you can say that I'm all about it almost any episode in this fucking show. <laughs> well, that one specifically, it's like, was it all a dream at the end? So I'm like, Ooh. Um, I spent a lot of time talking about Ninja Turtles because I love the show. It's a really good show. It's probably what I have the most to talk about right now. We talked about it for thirty minutes, I think. Good. That means I've met. I've matched my last time <laughs> by talking about <laughs> one thing. Um, <laughs> on. Next thing I wanted to talk about was Ducktales. Ooh the newest episode so i won't go too deep into spoilers um but there is it's a very interesting set of episodes because it's two separate episodes and it's 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 interesting because they don't go on any adventures but they're both very adventury yeah like there is adventure to be had within the episodes themselves even though they never leave duckburg and actually uh just by the time this episode goes up uh, the next episode will be out so i feel like we can get deep into spoilers with this just Hey, spoiler alert for, for DuckTales. I want to spoil it for you. I've seen them. You have? Okay, then. Yeah, fuck, of course well, I have, Why don't you talk about them? I forgot. <laughs> okay, good. Um, okay, my so first, let's for, talk- My note-taking for last week has been garbage. Let's talk about fucking awesomeness that is Webby. <laughs> 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 and the reveal of what the fuck Mrs. Beakley is. <laughs> She's a fucking spy! She's a fucking spy! <laughs> She's a fucking spy! 
That is awesome. Oh, this show is really good. You guys, look at that. Really and I turn, I turn to my, I turn to my fiance and I turn to my best friend, and I said, "She's literally his cleaner." <laughs> In the horrifying sense of the word, she is his cleaner. <laughs> yeah. And like just that realization just made me so scared of this lady. Expecting <laughs> <laughs> her to bust out some ninjutsu moves or some shit to like deal with like the bad guys. And then Donald just uses his one power and fucking demolishes them. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Like Donald This was a really good episode for Donald. Like like uh yeah, the episode we're talking about is the first episode that was aired as part of this. It had the Beagle Boys in it. And just it was this fucking great moment near the end as like Beakley and Donald went to go fucking rescue the boys and Webby who got fucking taken captive. And Beakley is just like very calmly in the situation like, all right, I'll take the big one. You take the little ones. And then Donald just fucking goes buck wild on him. So she was saying, I'll take the big one. Do you think you can handle the little one? And he was just like, give me back my boys. And he beat the shit out of the big guy. <laughs> like he took no, he gave no fucks. Oh, he no, was he, like, I could. He was going to murder them. <laughs> he was like, I could die today, but you will give me back my boys. And that's like, that is. I like that characterization of Donald. It's a weird thing to say, but the fact that he would go so far as to as to try to straight up murder a dude for potentially hurting his nephews. Oh, this show's so I, fucking good. I love this show. Um, it's so fucking good. And this is one of the shows, like, this and TMNT are the shows that I was talking about. Because they take the original ideas and they do something with them. Yeah. They don't just say, oh, we just remade the exact same thing. Like, eh. Like, they've given all of the characters character. Which is something that a lot of the past shows cannot claim. Yeah, like, even, even Casey Jones has a character, even if it's bro dude douche tard. Yeah, and, like, even, and what kind of works is they, like, the people who make these shows, they realize what to change and what to keep the same. Like, like, Scrooge. Instance. Like, Scrooge is still Scrooge. Yeah, he's largely unchanged. <laughs> uh, Donald, outside of, like, one or two added elements, he's still Donald. He's still out there doing the fucking, like, duck screech. Or whatever the fuck it is where he just fucking goes fucking crazy and just, like, wabbles his fucking duck jowls about. He still sounds like Donald. He still acts like Donald. But he just has more to him. It's a duck blur. <laughs> the mystery. Might rewrite history. And that's all of my singing you're going to get because we could get copyright strikes. Yeah, fucking Germany is. Germany is trolling for this shit. Ah, ah DuckTales. Uh, but yeah, so Webby is like the entire episode is just trying to be semi normal. Which, of course, means she's not succeeding at all because she's fucking Ninja Girl Webby this time. Yeah, who was homeschooled. 
in the art of killing a man 17 ways with my thumbs. Yeah. Hmm. Off with at 17 with Webby. Oh, that you cut out. Beakley would cut would uh, cut it at 17 different ways. You know, Webby doesn't need to know all th- 364. She'll learn, bit, she'll learn a bit more on her 16th birthday. You know, some of them aren't exactly safe for a child. <sighs> Don't get much launch pad, which makes me sad. Yeah, launch I'm pad. everybody's friend! Yeah, again, launch pad, largely, largely unchanged. But, uh, needed to. Like, they made all of the boys more interesting just by giving them little quirks that they could build on. Um, like, like fuck, um, which one is it? Louie? It's like, yeah, I'll just pay them a compliment and get a free soda. It's like, really? Really, dude? Yeah, you can just sure. ask for a, a water cup and get soda. You don't have to pay a compliment. <laughs> That's how the system works, man. Three tokens. Like, <laughs> the next episode was a, was a very Louis centric episode. Um, teaching him the value yeah, so of the hard Beagle days boys, work, and then he fails to the learn. The Beagle it. Boys are holding up a armored car. Then Webby gets them all thrown off the bus because she's Webby. jungle gymming on the poles and licking them. Yeah. Also, <laughs> talking to the bus driver as he's driving. Big a deal so long as you know the bus driver's cool with it. Yeah, she didn't know that he was cool with it. I know I've I've had chats with the bus drivers. It's usually pretty fun. But uh, did, anyway, did you see that man? <laughs> Saw that woman. He okay. He didn't. She did not want to talk to us on anybody. <laughs> Probably because people kept thinking she was a man. Fuck! Look at fuck! Look at Roxy in that shit, or whatever the fuck the or whatever the fuck Max's girlfriend from fucking Goofy movie was. She's she like, is like everywhere in this show. Yeah, she, she's been like in the first bird. episode. I was like, she was obviously trying to get a job at Glom Gold to be an investigative reporter on them. But this episode, it's like, are you riding the bus to work? What's your deal? Just a background character that they're going to keep recycling for whatever reason. I think it would be really cool if Goofy and Mac showed up in this. Interesting. It's been like the most like stupid thing would be if they somehow tied in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> And this one, Goofy, how's Sora? I haven't seen him. <laughs> just like that's, that's all that's needed, or just or just one episode. Just Donald like summons a fireball and throws it at somebody. It's like what the fuck was that? I'll tell you later. Come on, boys, let's go with venturing or whatever. Oh, the next episode is as Dead said. It's actually a Louie and Della centered episode. Well, uh, the name Della the slash triplets. Dewey. And, yeah, Louis. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Louis um, and Dewey. Yeah, yeah, Louis is the kind of A story. Dewey is the more important B story. Um, Della is the name of the triplet's mother. Yeah. We still know nothing about the father. Because remember, they have a mom. They have, like, actual family beyond their uncles. So... In the A story, it's all about Louis learning the value of a dime. Yeah. 
And it starts with, obviously, Louis spending uh, Scrooge's first dime. Well, actually, it starts with him being super lazy. And then Scrooge's like, all right, I'm going to teach you the value of a hard like, day's work. Like, I'm going to drink all of these sodas, but I'm only going to have the first sip because that's the best one. Peak I'm also going to throw away my three-month-old smartphone. I would beat that child. <laughs> like I was like, where's my tannin switch? Yeah, but hey, it's it's a character. Character about to get my tannin switch upside his ass. That's more than that's more than Louis was ever before. Yeah, that's true. Unless you want to talk about fucking quack pack. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it was called. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about the Dark Age. No, we always talk about the Dark Age. The Dark Age is when the is when the best shit to make fun of was. That's very true. Um. Oh yeah, Louis uh, is gets dragged into the office, and Webby and Dewey go with for funsies. At least that's what they claim. Yeah. Hey, I just want to see rework. Oh no, I need to bathroom. Like, all three of them go with uh, Uncle Scrooge, and then those two disappear. Yeah. We're going to focus on the Louis uh, bit because it's easier for me to talk about one plot line. Louis is attending a board meeting, and we get to see um, the first uh, ideas behind Gizmo Duck Operation Blatherskite. I love. <laughs> I love references. As a little light bulb that, well, about it turning evil and it immediately turns evil. As yeah. you do. Yeah, as you do. So, this is boring as fuck and goes to get a soda. He leaves, takes the dime off of a beautiful pillow thing. Oh, it's the emergency dime. Goes, gets his pep soda, comes back, and hears Scrooge talking about his first dime. And immediately shits himself. Yep. To try and retrieve the dime. Has to go up and down and up and down the flights of stairs. Uh, until he finally sees, oh, it's locked in a room. How do I pick a lock? Well, let me Google how to pick a lock. And uh, add for a show that I was watching. And, oh, I know. I'll go get the evil light bulb. Uses the light bulb to pick the lock. Forces the light bulb to find the dime. Light bulb goes mad and wants to collect all the loose change ever. Specifically dimes. Uh, then, like the like the rest of the episode is the light bulb chasing him around until he finally uh, meets up with the inventor of the light bulb, whose name escapes me, Gyro Gearloose. Um, who realizes, oh, that's why you're going crazy. You were designed for a 50-watt light bulb, but you have a 75. He's just a little mad with power. And I say it like that because that's the joke they fucking used. Eh. It's fine. It's for funny puns everywhere. It's fine. Lame-ass pun. 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 
But, it's um, fine. I, I've spent enough time talking with James that puns of that caliber don't really affect me anymore. So, it's back up with Scrooge, puts the dime back, and Scrooge is like, do you appreciate the value of a dime now, boy? Please don't do and a Scottish accent. Like, you can't do one. He's like, you have no idea. I've actually been told by several... Never mind. Um, Scrooge hands him the dime. He's like, you're giving me my first, your first dime? Hell no! Hey, where am I first time? What do I look like, an idiot? Yeah, fuck you, yeah, dude. That's just, that's, just a, that's just a plant. And he's like, yeah, I will never forget this. I'm keeping this forever. And puts it in the machine. Ha ha, cliche joke is cliche. Yeah, but one one thing uh, that we kind of did brush over with this is the returning joke of everything happening in that fucking boardroom. Because it, it's uh, Scrooge sitting there with the three vultures. Talking, Who are the only people in the world cheaper than him? Yeah, talking to them about his fucking business expenses and such, and 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 he and it starts out. Scrooge is like, "Oh yeah, these guys are the fucking best, whatever, handling money and stuff." And then the guys are like, "We want to talk to you about your money bin, you motherfuckers." And then just every time they go back, Scrooge is standing there justifying some extravagant expense involved in his fucking money bin. Five thousand dollars for magical defenses. Well, if you can get me the th- uh, 3,000 cases of silver polish for less, I'd like to see you try. And it just gets to the end, and it's just like, all right, so hey, here's the thing. Uh, if these crazy people, these literal lunatics I have working for me get fired, who do you think they're going to go after? So, all right, keep keep fuck The Jesus. way it is, and everyone is in it as far away from us as possible? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scrooge. Smarter than the smarties. And tougher than the toughies. <laughs> I fucking love this show. I recently heard David Tennant's natural speaking voice, and now whenever I hear Scrooge, I hear David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Scrooge, and then I heard David Tennant's natural speaking voice, and I was like, oh, fuck, now I'll never hear Scrooge again. <laughs> Which is more impl- important to the overarching story. Yes. The, um, the trials of the archives. Uh, we and Webby get introduced to my new favorite character. <laughs> the Records Keeper? Two thousand. Uh, she she comes in and it's like, I've told you a thousand times, Webby. You can't access here. But family can. <gasps> Welcome to the archives! <laughs> I knew that. I knew at that moment that that was my favorite character. <laughs> she makes him go through all these stupid, insane, like boring ass trials. Organize books. Learn the Dewey Decimal System. And by trials, she means doing her job for her. Like, hey, is this about and us, at one this point, they're like, we're, the, this is about us learning the knowledge or are you also about doing your job? About, about 50, 50. 50. <laughs> um, at one point, Dewey's like, I'm leaving. And the archive's like, you can't leave. Yeah, who's going to make us? The Scro- Uncle Scrooge? The government? The unicorn Illuminati? And she just pulls out a fucking massive scimitar. Me! She just has it. Just fucking whatever. Eventually, um, it is, you know, it is revealed. 
the reason all this was sealed off is because at least it's hinted that Della betrayed Scrooge. Yeah. She took something. Reason Uncle Scrooge bought the post office and moved the mailman to another country is because Della betrayed him. Dun dun dun. Supposedly. This is gonna this is gonna be the this is gonna be the through line through the season. This is gonna be our this is gonna be our who is the author. Like that that's actually a perfect analogy. Um so next I want to talk about something new. Ooh. I don't usually watch new TV, but I watched the first episode of Orville. Oh yeah, the Orville. Right. I forgot that existed. Eh, sci-fi series, it's about average, slightly above average. It's okay. Okay then. Um it is a terrible comedy series. <laughs> <laughs> it is it it failed to make me laugh once. At one point I thought they were going to get a laugh out of me, but they absolutely failed. Because okay, so let me cover some of the jokes to give you an idea of how not funny this show is. And just um, our main character going into it. This is a Seth MacFarlane series. Mr. walks in on his soon to be ex wife sleeping with an alien. She blames him. Honestly, I kind of do too, because he's Seth MacFarlane. There is later a joke about, do you know how hard it is to get blue body fluids out of white? And I'm just like, really? You know, try and be funny. That sounds like a Seth MacFarlane joke. Then we get introduced to the entire crew, which is basically, hey, we took Star Trek crew and made them racist stereotypes to the nth degree. They were already kind of racial stereotypes, but now they're even more basically racist. Yeah, I mean, as we all know, black people are black people are just so blind. And really good with technology. That's stereotype, right? Oh, I was more thinking about the Ferengi. Ah, right. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot about the Ferengi. Um, I don't think I've ever spent a lot of time with these basic lines. all black Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, huh, again. a volatile and temperamental race that wants to go to war all the time. I wonder if they're trying to say something about black people since they only cast black people as Klingons. Or people in black face. Yeah, I... It wasn't until fairly recently that I learned that, you know, Klingons, OG Klingons were kind of blackface. Um, and now it's like, okay, this could be a setup for a joke. They're obviously painting all of these characters as racial caricatures. Maybe they'll do something. Fun- they don't do anything funny with it. <laughs> um, it is first mate. Who is, dun-dun-dun, his ex-wife. Most of their conversations are about who fucked up the relationship. Yeah, I I have nothing to say to any of this. They try to make it entertaining and funny, but they fail utterly. And then they get a call from their boss. And this is the first joke that I thought, there's a chance. 
chance that this might be funny because during the entire call to the boss licking its balls on the couch that part is not funny to me at all the chance was how do they react to this to it their dog licking its balls on the couch Mm mm-hmm funny right yeah, that feels like a Seth MacFarlane joke. Just very deliberate. And going on was a there a dog long. licking its balls on the couch? Is that what you focused on? That would have been kind of funny. <laughs> that would have been like, <laughs> that would have been like, ah, oh, they're making fun of him for being a loser pervert who only sees humor. Okay, that's funny. Now, oh, there was a dog licking its balls on the couch. Ooh. Pretty funny, right? Oh, fucking. Uh. So I was looking at the rating for the Orville. Right now it's sitting at a 20. I'm not tomatoes. <laughs> Like, the effects are actually pretty good. Yeah. But, in the sidebar, I saw the rating for the Inhumans TV series, which is sitting at a four. I'm going to watch more of Orville, just because I like sci-fi. Okay. Oh. So, speaking of sci-fi and the Orville, Well, there is, like, one more. Uh, Okay, you say what you were going to say. Yeah, so speaking of sci-fi and the Orville, uh, have you seen any of the new Star Trek? Star Trek? Yeah, Star Trek Discovery is out now. I will see if I have any service that can let me watch that. Yes, they released the first two episodes online, I believe, uh, and aired it on CBS. And I've heard things. Not got a chance to watch it yet, though. But I'm not really sure I can actually properly talk about Star Trek Discovery because I don't have any context for it. I could only watch it if I got like some weird CBS thing. So, nope, <laughs> we're not going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery. Nah, I'll, 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 I'll find a, I'll find a way. Anyway, um, so then we meet the vil- like we find out what's going on in the show, and we're like, wow, this is this is really interesting sci-fi tech because they like a limited bubble where they can accelerate time in and like this is like cutting edge fucking technology i'm like this is really interesting okay this star trek clone has some potential if they just stop making jokes well never really interesting action sequence and this was the point where i decided yeah i'll give the show a chance and to see the crew acting like useful characters instead of one-dimensional cutouts. And then they fuck themselves. <laughs> Spoil it, because fuck anyone who thinks this shouldn't be spoiled. You get basically caught dead to rights by the enemy. It's very damaged. They can be blown out of the sky whenever they want, etc., etc. Hand the weapon over to us. Or we'll destroy you. So they're like, okay, so let's figure out a way to defeat them. He referenced these seeds, and in no way were they meant to be a deus ex machina. Let's use these seeds that can grow anywhere over a hundred years. Because they're like, it's like a redwood tree that can grow on any terrain without uh, yeah. food or water. Yeah, check off sapling. Um. 
So they take the seed and put it on the device, on the emitter, and then set the device to, when it's turned on, immediately project, like, emit a hundred years of time. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. That's an interesting way to use that. That's very functional. They send the device over to the bad guys, and then the bad guys activate it, and it's the one line that was actually kind of witty. And I'm going to tell you right now, they shit on it. Okay. Hard. So the bad guy's like, what's going on? And Seth says, as the tree explodes through the enemy vessel, destroying it. It's kind of witty. And I was willing to give them points. The line- and then immediately the entire crew starts ripping him apart like that's a terrible one-liner. The line didn't transmit, so I didn't hear what it was. Happy Arbor Day. Um, like, a, like a like six out of five, six out of ten. Which for this show is amazing. <laughs> that's like that's like a. I would have expected a. I would have expected a give. I would have, I would have expected a uh, giving them wood joke. The joke they make next. <laughs> Literally, his ex-wife, like, while everyone's ripping on him, he's like, okay, what would you have said? His ex-wife says, and I I just, I, I had the controller in my hand to get away from the episode so I can move on to whatever I was going to watch next. Not because I was rushing away, but because I was like, all right, I got to get ready to queue up the next thing. And I dropped my controller to the floor. Okay, yeah, you really need to fucking work on you. Like, again, the line didn't transmit. I didn't hear the line you said, so I can't really get indignant. Hold up a second. Like, just drop your noise threshold a bit. Drop? I dropped it a while ago. It reset itself. Sorry, folks. This is the beauty of working with Discord. Right, so, like, everybody's making fun of him, right? Yeah. And then the wife, he asks, so what would you have said? And the wife says... And everybody's laughing. Again, you didn't, I heard nothing. You, it's, it's the wife said. I dropped my noise threshold. I dropped my noise threshold. All I heard was the wife said. And everybody started laughing. Oh, because I dropped my noise threshold. I don't know. Fucking Discord's weird. Uh, the wife said you've got wood. Okay. Laughing like it's the greatest joke ever. And I just I drop my controller because I'm like this is this is the humor I can expect. Were you expecting Crap, anything expect from this show? Were you expecting I was anything different from Seth MacFarlane? I was hopeful. And there, there's your problem. In this modern day of TV, going expecting the worst. In Maybe Seth MacFarlane is trying to make a serious sci-fi drama and just pitched it as comedy because that was the only way Fox would let him do it. I don't know. I well, a problem. I think. Uh, I think that, like the main problem with Seth MacFarlane is that he keeps trying to do too much. Like the dude's like the dude's a fairly talented dude. Like you know, quality aside, he's able to do a lot of things relatively well. It's just he tries to do so much so often that a lot of it just ends up falling flat, and his humor doesn't always translate well to other things. 
including other seasons the of the show where his humor worked. The effects are good. The sci-fi is actually kind of interesting. The actors are decent. The only two things holding it down are Seth MacFarlane and his jokes. Okay, then. Yeah, I feel like I'm missing out. Anyway, fucking Discord. Anyway, anything else I've been watching? Watched the last two uh, 90s Gamera movies. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I told you I was going to try and beef my my end up. Yeah, yeah, you did. You've been doing a good job. This one was Gamera Attack of the Legion. And for the fir- the first thing that I like the like this I'm watching the show and the first thing that I had to make a note of was Dear Lord is the dub scream terrible <laughs> Like literally it's like uh I mean uh really <laughs> Just decide, like, the humans, with no basis, just keep deciding things about the monsters. And they're treated as fact. Uh I guess we've known this all along, even though they had no grounds to know any of it. Yeah. But the Legion is actually a really interesting kind of monster. It's an alien, as you do. Basically living circuit board insects huh. that are super cooled by and like I think they're I think it's like super cooled by a pure oxygen atmosphere compressed within their bodies. It was really interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Um and like their entire purpose is just like the kaiju from um Pacific Rim. They just want to come to our planet, mine all of our resources, and then leave. Yeah, as as aliens are wont to do. Which is really fucking interesting. The monster designs are great. The puppet work is amazing. Like this, in, this is the best of the '90s Gamera movies, in my opinion. We get subtle references to a lot of characters from the first one, which is great for continuity freaks like myself. And the military is intelligent. The giant monster arrives and they're like, all right, man, hold the line. And then Gamera shows up and they're like, all right, man, evacuate civilians. Okay mind blown i've <laughs> never seen the military act like this in a giant monster movie you ever see them respond accordingly like, like all right giant monsters let's try to hold back oh wait, there's only one all right let's fucking clear this shit out dogs and then there's like there's a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh moment from the fucking from the movie <laughs> um so camera goes up to destroy the monster's base and the base explodes as it's supposed to and then another, a bigger monster shows up, and I'm like, you've activated my trap card. <laughs> uh, 
it's very well executed and a lot of fun. Um, and then the next one, uh, which was Gamera, Gamera Revenge Virus, is heavy. Story's very lackluster. Uh, basically, there are four defenders of the Earth, according to this movie. There's Gamera, there's a giant phoenix, there's a... And there is a um, giant tiger. I don't know why we've only seen Gamera up till now, but in this movie we get the phoenix, who gets corrupted by a village girl who hates Gamera, and then it tries to eat the girl so that it will be strong enough to beat Gamera. But why does she hit Gamera? Gamera is friend to children. Except on her mom and dad. Fair. And, yeah. Watch all three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The third one is, in some points, better than the first, in some points, worse than the first. The best is number two. And you don't really need to watch all three, but there is a recurring character throughout all three that is my favorite character. And it is Goofball Detective, who gets turned into Goofball Beer Security Guard, who gets turned into Goofball Assistant. And he has a fucking character arc that I did not expect. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, in the third movie... Okay, in the first movie, he's just this guy who gets screwed over because the Gauss show up. Whatever, I don't care. In the second movie, we see that he's lost his job as a detective and is forced to work as a security guard at a beer distillery, where we know he gets fired because the Legion shows up and destroys half their stock. Yeah, And I'm like, it's beer. No one cares. Nah, dude. Beer is a fucking billion-dollar industry. It's beer. Anyone who really wants to drink it can drink it off the floor. It won't taste any different. Yeah, but they need to pretend they have some level of class until they are really drunk. <laughs> um, like you, you need to have at least you need to have it in the bottles or in a glass before and get drunk enough to be able to drink off the floor without shame. But then in the last movie, we see he's homeless. Drunk who lives off of selling, I guess, used magazines or something. Ew. I don't I don't know the significance. <laughs> Not that kind of magazine. Are you sure? And then the woman who met him in the first movie, a journalist who I think got him fired, finds him, hires him right after a massive Gauss attack. For those who don't know, Gauss is Gamera's classical enemy. It's a giant pterodactyl looking thing. Yeah, naturally. The greatest enemy of turtles, pterodactyls. Yeah, totally. I've watched the History Channel. <laughs> and she hires him to be her assistant. And, like, okay, he's gone from the high to the low to the high. That's a nice progression. And then he meets our main character, which is a village boy whose duty was to prevent Iris, the giant phoenix thing, from being born. Great job, kid. Stop. Fucked up immediately. And then he's told, if it ever awakens, you must stab it with this ceremonial dagger. It awakens, and he doesn't fucking stab it immediately. <laughs> I kind of like this girl, so I'll let her raise it. 
I can't see any harm in raising a giant monster. Yeah, totally. It's not like we live in a world with giant monsters. Oh, wait. So, he helps this kid, and this kid is like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just sitting here. And he's like, not played video games? <clears throat> You've got to follow the quest. Go after her. Come on, I'll take you. And he actually beats up a cop to help the kid get away to save the girl. <laughs> it is this beautiful arc. And I'm sitting there at the very end of his arc while the cop's trying to arrest him. And then the monster shows up. And I, in my head, I imagine, like, right after we cut away, he says, my world. <laughs> right <laughs> after it cut. <laughs> and... Like, that's why I say you should watch all three movies for that one character. And you'll know who he is, because in the first movie he goes, Oh, no! <laughs> I took notes on one more thing that I did want to talk about. Okay. Um, Sinner. Sinner, all right, yeah, the Sinner. They took too long to get to the stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> that is my only that's my only problem with the show seriously that's the only issue i have also my throat is ragged i'm getting some water after this but that's my only issue with the show is like i know the stabbing's coming that's the only reason anyone would actually sit down and watch this at like this late after so okay we're gonna keep cutting back and forth between her and the creek guy okay any day now. I'm going to get a drink. Get drink. Come back. Still haven't stabbed him? All right. He stabbed him! And then the show got started. <laughs> it was like, I was like, okay, we get to see her boring-ass life. Okay, she's forced to have sex with her creepy mama's boy son who probably has Oedipus syndrome. Husband. Not son. She doesn't have sex with her son. As creepy as the guy was acting. Shit. The guy has Oedip that guy has an Oedipus complex. Probably. And it's like, were they trying to be subtle with the fact that she was, uh, you know what, by her dad? Not at all. It's very overtly obvious. Yeah. Just, just wait. It gets weirder. Uh, I've only watched the first episode because uh, we we were like we can only sit through one episode at a time because <laughs> it's a slightly darker, depressing show, but it's also a very slow paced show. Yeah, it is a burn, and I like I I like high energy, and that burned me out. <laughs> oh, oh, muffin. Um, it was it was very good though. I highly recommend it, but stabbing. Maybe fast forward. <laughs> fast forward can be your friend. Because it like that is when the show starts, in my opinion. Right after she stabs the guy for no reason, that's when the show starts. Now, it's good that they showed us her life because it established her as a character beyond the stab a guy in the neck. Yeah. It showed us, yeah, this is really weird for her to do. Yeah, yeah, it did. Fast it... forward is your friend. <laughs> No, I I like that all stuff at the beginning. 
I did too. Is just a little slow, especially like when I was like, okay, we're at the beach. This is when she should stop. Oh, she's going to take a swim. I do not mind okay. a slow burn. We're on two opposite sides of a coin of a coin for that one, dead. Yep. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but if you're like me and you like boom, 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 you're going to want fast forward. If you're like dead and you like a slow burn, this is perfect for you. Go get a cup of tea, get your chips, sit down and watch as I take a potato chip and eat it. Sorry, I had to. (laughs) (laughs) I had to. I, I couldn't resist. Speaking of that, be sure to check out our commentary track available for the Death Note 2017 movie. The commentary track is not as bad as the movie. <laughs> I hope. Uh, why don't you listen to it and get it? <laughs> That's what I've been watching. <laughs> All right, then. That's what we watch, and then on to news. So first up, the thing I looked up earlier. I was right. So, Evangeline Lilly only signed on for the Hobbit movies with the stipulation that she would not be put in a love triangle. <laughs> wow. Gotta love when contracts, uh, when they get screwed over in contracts. Yeah, like, yeah, according to a, an Access Hollywood interview, uh, she took the job in 2011, made that one stipulation... Yeah, she didn't want it to be fucking Kate from Lost, just no love triangle. And according to her, there wasn't for the for a year of shooting. For the first year of making the movie, there was no love triangle. Then she came back in 2012, and there was a love triangle. Oh, fucking goddammit. Anywho, on to actual news. So, in a thing that happened with Vulture, the folks the folks behind the DC movies have said that going forward, they're going to de-emphasize and kind of put the whole cinematic universe thing on the back burner. My God, they had a good idea? Yeah. From the article, quote, they're not giving up on the idea of continuity, but they want to de-emphasize the idea that all of these flicks are occupying the same space, uh, says Diane Nelson, uh, DC Entertainment president. Our intention certainly, our intention certainly, moving forward is using the continuity to help make sure nothing is diverging in a way that doesn't make sense. But there's no insistence upon an overall storyline or interconnectivity that in that universe. Jeff Johns went on to say. Uh, the movie's not about another movie. Some of the movies do connect the characters together, like Justice League. But, like with Aquaman, our goal is not to connect Aquaman to every movie. So yeah, basically, going forward, all of the DC movies, instead of trying to be part of this one huge cinematic storyline that's all fucking written behind the scenes by Goyer and fucking Snyder, it's going to be... All the movies technically take place in the same universe, but they're not going to have that much of a focus on continuity. Like the DC Comics. Which, in this instance, I'm kind of okay with. Like, one big problem with the DC movies, outside of the fact that they're terrible, is 
they are forcing as hard as they can this cinematic universe that doesn't work. Like, they came in way too late to the game to try to do this shit and are doing it so poorly that at this point there's kind of no way for them to pull out of it unless the next five movies they make are of Wonder Woman or better quality. And I sincerely doubt they'll do that. That is very true. So, kind of in this way, just by having like, all right, Justice League, that's coming out, it's going to be this thing, and everything else after that, just fuck it. That could be a strategy that would work for him, because then it wouldn't be an instance of like a Marvel situation where directors are leaving projects because of creative differences because they don't want to put in a bunch of bullshit connecting it to the main universe. Beauty of main universe is that. Yeah, they could just kind of like make the movies they want to make, and then if it's connected, great. If not, eh. I mean, it kind of makes that whole Shazam movie make way more sense. Moving on. Uh, so, Fox is Fox has given a script commitment plus penalty. Whatever that really means, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not exactly up on my industry terminology. Essentially, so Fox is putting in a script commitment uh, plus penalty to The Nice Girls, a reboot of the Shane Black movie, The Nice Guys, but with women. Why? Because, get fucked. See, so yeah, for those who don't know, The Nice Guys was a movie from 2016, starred a... Uh, starred a Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Uh, they were two kind of PIs working together on a case in 1977 in Los Angeles. And it was fucking great. It was a fantastic movie. Really fun, witty, smart. Just great acting, great fucking everything from all around from everybody in that fucking movie. And now, yeah, there's going to be a fucking lady version of it on television. Called The Nice Girls. Being written by Michael Dillabretti, Dillaberti, who wrote 30 Minutes or Less. Uh, it'll be produced by Joel Silver, who produced the movie. <sighs> Reaction. Uh, I feel bad. Like why? In, like inside, it hurts reading shit like this. Nah. And like everybody, and like folks at home, it's not because it's about fucking. It's not because oh, it's a reboot with the ladies. What the fuck? This ain't that Ghostbuster shit. Forget fucked. It's because the nice guys came out last year. Yeah, it did. Like this article from Deadline to talk about this uh, mentions. Other shows that are going to be coming out that are doing this kind of thing, like The Great American Hero and Kung Fu. Both series that are being rebooted with female leads. But those series are decades old. While I'm still fundamentally against the idea of rebooting old shit because it's a recognizable name. At least with that stuff, there hasn't been a like 
contemporary or relevant kung fu or great American hero project in minimum 15 years. Actually, minimum 30 years now because it was that was like 80s and 90s. Fuck. But the nice guys, nice guys was 2016. Everybody involved in that project is still out there doing work. This is still a relatively recent thing on all their resumes. This is still a well-received movie that just, God fucking damn it. One of these days, we're just going to start a podcast. I'm just going to go to the news and then just nothing. It'll be just be dead air for five minutes. <laughs> because I'll have just fucking passed out from how goddamn retarded this shit is. Good God. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm reacting to you because, oh, that is very, like, it's funny. I can't help it, but it, it's it's funny. <laughs> so speaking of news, there's another reboot coming. Oh, no. This, this time of Charlie's Angels. Yeah, because we need that sexist pile of tribe to get a reboot. Yep. And right now, uh, we have two actresses. Charlie's Angels? The... I don't want to know. What? Unless it's called Charlie's Dangles, I don't want to know. That's well, being directed by Elizabeth Banks. I don't know anything about Elizabeth Banks. On, don't you? say things like I should know. Come on, dude. Uh, Creatives she, by name. I know by project. Uh, she's an actress. Uh, she was Betty Brant in the Spider-Man, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. She was in Pitch Perfect. Uh, Lego movie. I believe she was wild style in that. Uh, yes, okay, got that. Uh, yeah, she's kind of great. And then she's, oh. now, now she's going to be in, now she's directing this, uh, which currently has Kristen Stewart and Lupita Nyong'o circling to star. Yeah. Who's ready for new Charles Ingalls? Why? Jesus. Cause fucking Christ. I I feel sick. Like you really should cuz that's disgusting. Like this is Oh. Of the news that I have to talk about today, one of the pieces of news, like all of them are about some sequel or reboot or whatever, but one of them is about a property that is not, that has not been rebooted ever. And that's this one. The fact that John Wick chapter three is going to be coming out May 17th, 2019. According to Boris Kitt, a writer for fucking Hollywood Reporter. It is disgusting to me that every piece of news I have to talk about today, outside of one, 
is about fucking rebooting or bringing back some decades dead franchise. Or just rebooting something that... Or just... Uh, uh. You guys uh. broke Dead Man. You should be ashamed. Uh. I'm doing a lot to make Dead Man cry unless Birdie's telling him something ridiculous about anime or comics. Moving on. Hey, you guys like Halloween? The movie franchise? No. Well, guess what? Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. Laurie Strode is returning to Halloween films in 2018. Remember that shit? Remember that, you fucking sheep? Come see this shit. It's like you were in... Come see this shit. It's like it's like before. <laughs> hey guys, do you like do you like Sarah Connor? Well, Linda Hamilton's coming back to the role in the sixth fucking Terminator movie. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god, this is actively more entertaining than any of these movies will be. You guys like Scanners, that David Cronenberg movie? They're making a TV show out of it. Ooh, that Ooh. might actually be interesting. <laughs> I love this voice. You, can you just do this voice forever? <laughs> you guys like Flight of the Navigator? Like That old Jim Henson movie? Well, Joe Henderson, the guy who's currently the showrunner on Lucifer, is writing a reboot of it. Ooh. At least Lucifer is decent, so there's hope. Ooh. You guys like that CW Riverdale series? Not at all. Well, get ready because you're kind of expanding it as you do. CW is now they're adapting the chilling adventures of Sabrina, the Archie horror Archie horror line comic series about Sabrina the teenage witch. Ooh. This new voice. This new voice has to be my favorite thing. <laughs> you should just forever read all news off in this voice because this is the greatest thing ever. <sighs> in fairness, I do really like this comic. <laughs> yeah, the comic's great. The comic is the comic is really great. They were it is a great like fucking period piece like dealing with fucking witches and shit, and it is great. The fucking art on it is fantastic. Uh, written by. Roberto Aguisacasa, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, and drawn by Robert Hack. It is a fucking fantastic little bit, of, fantastic little bit of fucking horror comics. The problem is the fact that it's in the Riverdale universe. The TV show will be, yeah. My problem, yeah, because Riverdale's fucking garbage. Season two coming soon. Look forward to us not talking about it. I'll be talking about it. Why? Because fuck me. I'd rather not. You're not my type. You don't even know what I look like. Anyway. <laughs> that does it for fucking news. New releases. Get fucked. Oh, they're redoing that one? <laughs> no, so this week... uh week uh September 29th we have American Made the newest Tom Cruise picture 
What? Just let me check something. I just here. can't picture that. Just let me uh, check something here real quick. Based off a true story, apparently, we have Flatliners, a reboot, or sorry, a remake, which is currently sitting at zero percent. It's a remake. Yep, that's Flat- actually a little shocking to me. Yep, Flatliners, a remake of an old, I believe, Kiefer Sutherland film. And then Battle of the Sexes, based on true events, which is to say not even close to being an original fucking idea. So the three big wide release movies coming out this week are stuff we've seen before, either in real life or in movies. Yeah. I want to die. Man. The next week, we got Blade Runner 2049. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, but they have that joke saying that they did it all 30 years ago. That makes it self-aware, which is fun, right? We also got My Little Pony, the movie. Whoa. It has Emily Blunt, Steve Schreiber. Michael Pena, Christian Chenoweth, and Tay Diggs. What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> this voice is my new favorite thing. That's <laughs> going over this week, everybody. I feel like Justin Roiland is going to sue. <laughs> How? It's a silly voice. It sounds a lot like some of his silly voices. A lot. So long as your character isn't named the same thing as one of his, he can't sue over it. (laughs) Anyway, thank y'all for joining us. Uh, We will be back in two weeks time with episode movies, television, podcast. And between now and then, though, we got shit coming out. I don't know. What are you doing? I'm dead. Man, we'll see you guys next time. Oh, that 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 voice is my officially favorite thing about doing this podcast. 